Alrighty ho, neighboroonies, you're listening to Weird Distractions Podcast, a podcast where we tell you weird distracting stories of true crime, conspiracy theory, and the paranormal to provide you, once again, a weird distraction from your everyday life. I'm Alex. And Christy. And we are back to conspiracy theories. I'm so tone deaf. Um... (laughs) So this is episode 14 in which we are, as mentioned, back to conspiracy theories. And before we dive in, Christy. My distraction. Your distraction. Break it down. Break it down. Uh, my distraction, I feel like as always, is work. Work, work, work. <laughs> work, work, work. I feel like for the past like 14 episodes, you're like, work. Work where I live, my cat. Work where I live, live my work. cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely work. It's getting busier. Um, I do find that there is a lot of people, as I said, coming up to cottage country, and they are um, for sure up here making the hospital a little more busy than I would like, which obviously is to happen often when... <laughs> Sorry, I'm distracting Christy as she's trying to disclose her distraction because her cat's trying to chew my computer. computer. But yeah, you know work is busy, and basically it just makes me annoyed. Fair enough. My, the what what I, what I need to distract myself from is the heat. I yes. should not. Okay, we should not be complaining because it's better than snow. But it's, it's hot balls. But it's hot. It's so hot, and I don't do well in heat. I do better in the cold. I find because at least when you're cold, you can add more layers. When it's hot. Take take shit off, and I don't want to take stuff off. Heated person, and when it's cold, I still wear shorts. Yeah, no, and I find when I go to bed, like my body automatically like turns up the temperature. It's like "Mm, she's going to sleep. Time to boost that up. Like I need a fan even in winter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you are a little worse than me because you open the window in the winter. Yeah, yeah, because I I I I can't sleep when it's hot. I cannot sleep when it's hot. So. Let's get distracted from both those things, because work sucks, it's hot, cranky, meh, meh. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we are chatting about the conspiracy theories that revolve around the quote-unquote men in black. And your cat is playing with something. I don't fucking know. If you hear little scattered movements... Sorry, not sorry, not going to edit it out, because cats are great, and you should be thankful. Um, Okay, so the men in black, or MIB, are supposed men. However, I think maybe they could be women. Mm -hmm. They could be babies. We don't know. Don't assume their genders. Like, fuck. Anyways. um, Dressed in black black suits who claim to be government agents who harass, threaten, or assassinate UFO witnesses to keep them quiet about what they've seen. So they essentially connect with two kinds of people. So people who claim to have seen a UFO um, and or those research, those who research UFOs. So essentially like no one who talks about or like is really invested in UFOs is safe. And if you don't know what UFO means, it means an unidentified flying object, get a dictionary. So if you think, (laughs) if you like are really invested in UFOs, like be aware you might disappear. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, So often the MIB will try and silence them from exposing any information revolving around UFOs. 
So back in the 1950s and 60s, UFOologists uh, adopted the good old conspiracy theory mindset um, that kind of began the fear around an organized group of people, quote, like you know, the men in black, um, that essentially was trying really hard to silence them from like trying to I don't fucking know. They were trying. To, they they were they were afraid that the more the deeper they dug, the more the more harm they would get. Okay, right. Guess it's kind of like any you know secret government thing. But don't go poking holes. Yeah, don't go poking <laughs> holes, or we'd be poking holes on you if you catch my drift. So supposedly these MIB will approach you. Apparently they will kind of say that they're a part of some government group and present white cards as quote-unquote proof like they'll be like oh look at this card usually it just says security on it which if anyone comes up to you and is like i work for the government blah, blah. i don't think people go around saying like introducing themselves like that like i'd be like you're fake bye <laughs> <laughs> fake news um so at that point they'll show this white card which typically apparently to some people says security um, before they start questioning you intensely or asking you to get rid of any UFO or extraterrestrial proof you may have. So often these MIB have been known to refer to one another by numbers um, as opposed to names. So for example, 7 or 45. So instead of like, hey Carl, let's go on a mission. It's like, yo, 7. Gonna go on investigation. Get a real name. <laughs> get a real secret name. Get a real secret name. Like, God. Daffodil Delirium. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> That's a terrible name. Actually, or is it? Yeah, it is. That's pretty bad. Um, so there, there are people that believe the men in black are aliens themselves, or my favorite, demonic supernatural beings. Mm. Okay. Right? Uh, based on their appearance, appearance and their inability to exhibit any emotions, which we'll kind of get into it later. Um... Writer John Sherwood claimed that his friend, Gar uh, Gary Baker, I think it's supposed to say Gary, but I put Gray. So it's either Gray Baker or Gary Baker. Either way, Mr. Baker <laughs> made up the quote-unquote myth of Men in Black in a book called They Knew Too Much About Flying Saucers, which I don't know, thing. sounds great. Uh, Sherwood said that Baker made this myth up simply as a joke cover. This wouldn't explain the first account of Men in Black. So now we're going to take a deep nosedive into encounters with the MIB. Are you ready? Ready. All right. Daffodil, let's go. <laughs> All right, so the first one takes place in June of 1947. So Harold Dahl, um, and that's D-A-H-L, forgive me if I'm pronouncing it wrong, I can't. As you might know, if you've been listening since the beginning, I can't read. So um, anyways, Harold was out on his boat when he saw six donut-styled flying objects in the sky nearby. Apparently, one of them dismantled and fell into the water, the debris which killed Harold's dog and injured his son. Which, like, tragic. Very. Um, Harold took photos of the debris, but stated that the men in black had fogged over the photograph and told Harold never to speak of the incident again. So apparently, he was approached by MIB, they took his photo, mucked it up, and said, like, don't, don't you ever talk about this. And that was in the 40s. Mm, early. Right? Also, if I saw anything in the sky that looked donut-shaped, I'd be really excited. Because <laughs> you love donuts. Because I fucking love donuts. 
I'm up in the sky, though. Like, if they were falling towards me, and they were donuts. Like, real donuts. Like, real donuts. Mm-hmm. I'd and that's pull, fine. I'd, I'd have a Homer Simpsons moment. Yeah. And just be like, oh, I can't make the sound. <laughs> oh. Um, the next one would be in September of 1953. So, Albert K. Bender. Um, three reported men in black attended the home of International Flying Saucer Bureau organizer Albert K. Bender. Albert had reportedly gathered data that he felt provide evidence for a theory about flying saucers, which he wrote down for his thesis and provided to a trusted friend. However, the, the three men in black approached Bender at his home, and one of them had the, this report letter. So Bender gave this letter, his thesis, um, to, a friend. to a friend. And then the friend gave it to the men in black? I don't know if he gave them. They just what? found it. Or if they, like... <sighs> His friend. Yeah, and took it. Yikes. This is why, like, I know it's the 50s, but memory sticks are a blessing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the MIB told Bender that he had the correct theory about flying saucers, and apparently they actually spilled more tea and details about them, which made Bender feel ill after hearing it. He stated he felt so sick with this new information that he couldn't eat for days. And I put in my notes, he could eat for days, which maybe he was, you'd think like, maybe he's stress ate. No, he couldn't eat for days. The opposite of a good time. Because he got info about flying saucers? That made him so sick. Okay. Right? He told fellow UFO investigators what the MIB had shared and that if other people found out about flying saucers, there would be, quote unquote, dramatic changes in all things and that science especially would suffer a major blow, political structures would topple, mass confusion would reign. So 2020. Basically. Basically. Uh, <laughs> other members uh, received visits from the MIB uh, from the MIB, and would disband their organizations and groups after these visits. The men left Bender scarred for his life, and he immediately shut down all his research and the Flying Saucer Bureau. Many people who knew him claim that Bender would change after this encounter. Obviously, it's fucking traumatic by the sounds of it. Um, I guess his later works became kind of like all over the place. Like, he was a really put-together guy, and after this incident, he was super anxious. He was, like, constantly in terror. He was just... A mess. A hot mess. A hot mess. Just, like, not doing well whatsoever. Hmm. Right? Um, right? Um, and a lot of his work after came, like, almost unreadable. So, like, it kind of seemed like he lived his life in constant fear of more men in black visits. So he just wrote stuff that people couldn't read so Yeah. Like, it kind of just didn't make sense. Like, he was just, like really really smart dude who you know a lot of people followed his work xyz and then this happened and he's kind of like hmm. yeah uh he still um would would ugh, he still <laughs> he still would receive mysterious phone calls uh with nobody on the other end until the end of his life in 2002 mm. which is like so spooky slash i as, as we were recording this i got like a mysterious phone call from sketchy sketchy as hell that's for sure um whatsapp is a weird place let me tell you that for free anyways so we're gonna jump then to 1966 to norwalk connecticut um 
Two schoolboys pursued a reported low-flying UFO. The next day at school, a man dressed in black was there as a representative of a government agency so secret, he couldn't give the name. So secret. Couldn't give the name. Tell me, fake news. <laughs> fake news. That's how you get kidnapped. Right? Um, so he proceeded to interview and question the boys of their encounter for up to three hours. Where was the parents? Well, they're, so they were at the school when all of this went down, and it's just like... The teachers not here? Apparently not. What's happening? Right? So the next one, this one, there wasn't a date. Let me just see. A date affiliated, and this one was kind of a stretch, I'm not going to lie. They're all strange. <laughs> Let's get real. But um, so this is of Jim Templeton. So Jim uh, essentially took a photo of his daughter, and it was kind of weird because there was like a non-human-looking person in behind the photo after the picture was taken. So he took a picture. It was just of his daughter. Looked at the picture after, and there was like this weird, like gray-looking figure. It, it wasn't a, like it was like a full-on gray person, oh. right? Uh, the gray-looking figure was not present when he took the photo, and nobody had any idea where it came from. The film was verified as authentic by Kodak, and Templeton's story went public as they were unable to provide reasoning behind it. After it became public, he was visited by two self-identified quote-unquote government agents who referred to them- themselves as Number 10 and Daffodil. I'm <laughs> just kidding. I was no. going to say, that's not true. No, you can literally see my notes. That's not true. So Number 9 and Number 10... Um, they demanded to see the on-site, or sorry, the site of the photo and question Templeton about the event. When Templeton told, Templeton told them he didn't see the figure personally, the guys got angry and stormed out of the field, never to be seen again. Templeton was later contacted by two employee, employees at a missile launch pad in Australia who claimed that they saw two figures that resembled the man in his daughter's photo on a la- launch pad security footage. Apparently, the missiles at that site in Australia had been produced only 20 miles away from the field where Templeton took the photo. Ooh. Isn't that spooky? Everybody's seeing gray people. Everybody's seeing gray people. I feel like I'd be, I don't know if I'd be more creeped out if I saw like a shadow figure, like a fast moving shadow figure, or if I saw like a gray person in my photo after the fact. I feel like I'd be, like, more, like, worried if I saw, like, a full-on person back there. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Or just, like, a a blurb? No. Right. Fair enough. Um, all right. And then we're going to go to 1967 to Robert Richardson. So, in Toledo, Ohio, Robert reported he had a head-on collision with a UFO, which rapidly disappeared on impact. Uh, Robert took home metal remains from the accident, which led to a visit by two men dressed in black suits. Of course. Uh, Robert reported that these two men asked for the piece of metal from the accident, but when Robert disclosed to them that he had turned it over for testing, the men in black threatened him. Apparently, they told Robert, if you want your wife to stay as pretty as she is, then you'd better get the metal back. That's a statement. That sounds like torture. That sounds like a not a not a good time. No, no. Uh, he never heard from them again and has zero idea how they knew about the medal. Like, so did they get the medal? I don't think so. Yeah, they like they threatened him and then they just never came back. Came back. Um, okay, the next one is Jack Robinson. So a year later in New Jersey, Jack Robinson was a UFO researcher, and he and his wife Mary were reportedly terrorized by a man dressed in black. Um, that would stand across the, the street from their apartment building. 
It even went as far as their apartment being rummaged through, and after seeing the strange man in black again um, three days in a row, the Robinson's friend Tim Green Beckley decided to investigate further and took a picture of the suspected man in black, which is the first rare instance of an MIB member. And it's kind of like, I mean, obviously it's the 60s, the, or, yeah, it was the 60s. Um, the photography wasn't spot the on. No, but like, you just see this kind of like really pale, pale ass motherfucker wearing a black suit. Questionable. Questionable. Uh, okay, so we're going to jump from the 60s to 1976, specifically September 11th, to Dr. Hopkins. Uh, he was working for a home in Maine doing research of a UFO incident when he received a call from a man who identified being a legal rep from New Jersey. Uh, the man asked the doctor if he was alone and if so, if they could do research together in which, you know, Dr. Hopkins was like, I... Which, if someone called me and was like, hey, do you want to do, like, are you home alone? Do you want to do research together? I'd be like, no. No. I'm watching Netflix. I'm not doing research. I'm chilling alone. Kick rocks. Like, ugh. Um, by the time the doctor hung up the phone and turned the lights outside uh, to kind of, like, get ready for his legal representative guest from New Jersey, <laughs> the there was already someone out there. What? Yeah. So, like, by the time, like, Dr. Hopkins, like, like hypothetically, the way I visualize this is he was upstairs in his office, he gets a phone call, hi, hello, this is Dr. Hopkins. Yes, I'll do research with you. So he goes downstairs, goes towards the front door, turns on light, there's somebody out there already. That's fucking creepy. Isn't that fucking creepy? I'd be like, okay, bye. Lock the doors. No one's <laughs> yeah. coming in. I did not order Domino's. <laughs> They're never this fast. <laughs> No shade at Domino's. I love Domino's. Um, so, <laughs> Hopkins' description of the man was not pleasant. Uh, apparently, the man, this is a quote actually also, um, the man wore a ne neatly tailored black suit, was bald with no eyebrows or eyelashes, and had dead white plastic skin. His lips were ruby red, and his speech was expressionless and monotone, as if you were hearing the machine. So a UFO? <laughs> it's, just, it's just a UFO. That's the yeah. Um, apparently the situation breaks down like this. So this is kind of like another direct quote. Um, the man in black informed Hopkins that there were two coins in Hopkins' pocket, which was correct, and asked him to remove one. Hopkins, you know, did it and held the coin, a shiny penny, in the palm of his hand. The MIB told Hopkins to watch the coin closely. After a few moments, the coin took on a silverly, silver, silvery appearance uh, from copper and then appeared to be going out of focus. It then began to fade and eventually disappeared altogether. The MIB informed Hopkins that the coin would never be seen on this plane again. He then inquired as to whether Hopkins was familiar with, with alleged UFO abductee Barney Hill. Hopkins said, yeah, like, I've heard of it, but he was kind of under the impression that he kind of had died in the not-too-distant past. The MIB informed Hopkins that this was correct. The MIB then said, Barney didn't have a heart. Just like you no longer have a coin. <laughs> it should be noted that Barney Hill actually died of a cerebral hemorrhage. And the MIB then gently suggested, suggested that Hopkins destroy any material he had related to the UFO case. What the fuck? 
It's not fucking creepy. Yeah. Like, so fucking creepy. No, can't handle it. No, no. Like, I like creepy shit, don't get me wrong, but, like, that's just... You know. No. So, we're gonna jump from 76 to 2002 to Dan Aykroyd. The motherfucking actor Dan Aykroyd. Do you know who Dan Aykroyd is? I don't know who he is. Ghostbusters. Da na na na. Not Bill Murray. The the other. Mm, can't put a face to the name. Hold on. I'll 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 pull up a picture. But anyways, as I'm doing that, in, in January 2002, Dan Aykroyd's Dan Aykroyd was uh, trying to do a TV show called Out There to the Sci-Fi Network that would break serious ground to the, on a wide range of topics. So like UFOs. Uh, crop circles, etc. He's like a really big supernatural. Are you looking him up? I'm looking him okay, up. Okay, cool, because I, I can't read and type <laughs> at the same time. I'm not that multitask. Um, so, yeah, Dan's really into apparently like supernatural, uh, extraterrestrial, that kind of stuff. So, while he was filming the show, he kind of stepped outside for a break where he reportedly seeing a man dressed in black. Um, near a black Ford sedan across the street. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know who he is. Yeah. Dan Ackworth. Yeah. I said it. I seen it for a face of me. <laughs> uh, Dan reports that one large... Uh, so the guy... The man presented, like, very large. Like, he was really, like, strongly built. Mm-hmm. Um, got out of the car, the black Ford sedan, and gave Dan a dirty look. He then said he looked away for, like, a split second, and when he looked back at the car, the man was gone. Two hours after the car disappeared, Dan was given the bad news from the producers of the show, um, and this is a direct quote that, we were told we were not to continue taping and the show was canceled and none of them would ever air. Of who? So the producers were just like, yeah, we're not doing this anymore. Two hours after Dan saw this, like, man. give a dirty look. Yeah. Weird. Weird, right? So from 2002, we're going to go to 2008 in October. Um, Niagara Falls hotel manager Shane Sovar, along with the hotel security guard, reported seeing a large triangular UFO outside his hotel. A group called the Aerial Phenomenal Investigators Team looked into the incident in which they reported that a couple weeks later, three other witnesses saw the same thing. Shortly after, an identified men dressed in black visited the hotel. These men in black terrified hotel staff and said that they were looking for Shane Sovar and the hotel security guard who were luckily not there at the time. When the staff and uh, Shane reviewed the footage after, uh, he discovered that the camera had actually caught the two men on tape. So um, through BuzzFeed and Solve, you can actually watch that footage. Mm-hmm. So you, t- you see two tall men dressed predominantly in black uh, in black, sorry. So, like, suits, hats, etc. Similarly to Dr. Hopkins' description, the men look identical to one another, with emotionless, pale, no-eyebrow-having faces. Creepy. The woman from the hotel who spoke to the men felt they could read her thoughts, but didn't really say why. <laughs> and that's the men in black. Mm. So those are some different encounters, and... I didn't really dive into, like, why people thought that they might be, like, demonic or anything. So, like, I really couldn't find it. It's kind of, like, sparse yeah. information. But essentially, I feel like because of the way they present visually, people just assume that they're not human. 
Like they just assume that they're not. Yeah, which yeah, which is a weird thing to explain. Like they're bald, shiny, like pale white skin, no eyebrows, blah 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 blah, like all very specific things. Red ruby lips. Yeah, so like a doll, a male doll. It literally. Ew, that makes it creepier. <laughs> oh, I don't like it even more. I don't like it even more. Life-size dolls oh. behind you, just like. Meh, meh, meh. Oh, <laughs> I literally just like. Cringe. Cringe. Cry. Internally cried. Um, okay, so how do you feel about this? Like, do you feel like these kind of people exist? Mm. I feel like the descriptions are a little like out, out there. there. Yeah, I'm not a big UFO person. No, like I've never like. Anytime you see like a video, you're just like you can't trust. Like I feel like you just can't trust it because so much stuff can be like recreated. Well, like, that's at this the time of day. Thing. Like you don't make anything look any way. I know. I get a lot of people. Like I get a lot of people when I tell them like, yeah, I'm like I'm really into paranormal. They're like, oh my gosh, so like you believe in aliens? And I'm like, no, not really. Like, is there life beyond us? Maybe. Like, yeah, like I'm like personally me. Like I'm interested in paranormal, but like, have I ever personally seen anything? No. Could it be there? Maybe. Yeah. I feel like. With paranormal, it's more so because they're usually people, mostly people who have died, and then, like, their spirit lays on, whereas, like, yeah. with UFO, it's a whole different other species. It's a whole different ballgame. Yeah. Yeah, a whole different other ballgame. So that's why I'm kind of like, my mom is really into UFOs. Is she? Oh, my God. Every weird thing that happens, she's like, Alex, the aliens are coming. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, and there was a thing recently where, like, some some form of government, I feel like it was the states released, like, oh yeah, there's UFO stuff and people were losing it. Yeah, I think it was like in the middle of like the pandemic and oh. there was like 5G and everyone's freaking out and then it's oh, like, 5G. now there's aliens, the CIA is opening information that was so true all along and we're like, what? Who cares? <laughs> people are dying, Karen. <laughs> Who cares about this right now? I think people got more hyped up over like the murder hornets. Seriously. Seriously, then. Which we haven't seen. No. So. Knock on wood. Yeah. But I also feel like with UFO, because it's identified flying objects, it doesn't necessarily lead to aliens. Yeah, it could be anything, yeah. It could be, like, another country's new thing, which I don't... I feel like that's scarier. Yeah, like, recently I think I've seen a video, and again, it could be doctor, but it's like, you would see, like, someone zoomed in so close on the moon, and you could see something jumping, and then, like, it would, like, disappear on the dark side of the moon, and I was like, yeah, I don't know if I would believe that. I don't know. You can make shit look real anything. But hey, if you're a believer, if you want to tell us your personal UFO stories, men in black stories, men in black stories, I hope they're not listening. If you are, we have no UFO information. Sorry, yeah, and yeah. we haven't seen anything. Um, but you can email us and, or message us, DM us. Christy will tell you that in a second. Um, my resources, good old Wikipedia. Uh, BuzzFeed Unsolved, the YouTube video, uh, the creepy real-life Men in Black, the free dictionary website, uh, which was just about Men in Black, MIB, and the Thought Catalog article by Jacob Gears, uh, Nine Freaky Encounters with the Real, bleh, the real Men in Black that will seriously give you the creeps, which it has. <laughs> what a title. All right, Christy. Tell them, tell these good weirdos where they can find us. Yes, the weirdos. Come and follow us on our platforms and give a listen or a review. Get us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, as I said, find a review. Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and now recently on Good Pods. Feel free to email or any of your stories on weirddistractionspodcast at outlook.com and tweet at weirddistracti, number one. That's at weirddistracti, number one. Insta page at Weird Distractions Pod. 
And as always, we thank you so much for listening to us ramble, blabble, fumble over our words, fumble <laughs> over our words, listen to our weird attempt to make jokes of things that we're uncomfortable with. And yeah, we just we just thank you guys so much. Always listen, please. Always, always. And don't hesitate to email us if you got story recommendations. I mean, we do have some planned out. We've got some cool things happening. But we would love to hear from you, even if you just want to say hi, because our email box right now is just junk mail. <laughs> we love suggestions. We love suggestions. And you can always find a distraction in the busiest of times, if one simply looks for the weird. And once again, JK Rowling still canceled. Bye! Bye! I'm Jules from Riddle Me That True Crime. I have a passion for all things crime and psychology, and I have a PhD in transpersonal counseling, so I love research and I like to do deep dives into cases. I recently did a three-part series on the disappearance of Madeline McCann. I promise you, this is coverage that you haven't heard anywhere else. I also do cases that are lesser known, such as the case of Keith Warren, who in 1986 was found hanging from a tree in Silver Spring, Maryland. His death was classified as a suicide, but things don't add up in the case. Keith was found wearing clothes that weren't his. The 911 caller said that someone had committed suicide in her boyfriend's basement, and when emergency services arrived, the body was in the woods and not in the basement. Keith's mother, Mary, would receive a manila envelope that would call the suicide conclusion by police into question. There were copies of police photos and a note that predicted the death of Keith's friend, Mark Finley. Mark Finley calls Mary to unburden himself, but he would never get the chance. Before he gets a chance to meet up with Mary, he is killed in a freak accident, though some believe it was murder. 2020 is a strange year, and it is comforting to have a favorite podcast to keep you company. I would love to be that podcast. Subscribe to Riddle Me That True Crime on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever you get your podcasts.